Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. This is episode 124. Today, my guest is the delicious, talented, gorgeous, inspiring Sina King. Sina and I connected a couple of years ago, actually, through John Marsh, who is my business coach and mentor, also my dear friend. And John actually had seen her on his podcast when he had his own podcast. And they spoke about confidence. And so a few months ago, I wrote Sina a message on the gram and asked if she would come on the podcast and talk to us about confidence. And so we're here. We've done an episode on how we can be more confident. But first, I want to tell you about this amazing woman that I just have the pure pleasure and privilege to know. Sina King last ranked number 22 most influential burlesque star in the world and she was voted Australia's most glamorous showgirl. Yep, that's right. Melbourne-born Sina King is an international icon. She's an international icon when it comes to burlesque. And after a decade of touring the world as Australia's elite burlesque performer, she's also been a model, creative director, she's a social media entrepreneur, she is the creator of the King Size Boa. Cena King has now become an expert on the way of the confident woman and embodying feminine energy. So I wanted to put her in the hot seat on the Warrior School podcast and ask her, how do we build more confidence so we can live into our vision and feel so damn great in our bodies, in ourselves and in our lives? So here's what we chat about. We chat about what is confidence. She shares what she believes confidence is. And it's super cool. We talk about the two different types of confidence, which I really, this is probably my, you know, I love the whole conversation, but the way that Sina talks about confidence and the two different types of confidence, I think is pure magic. And it's extremely helpful when we're talking about this really big topic. We also talk about the importance of having self-awareness and our nervous system and feeling safe when it comes to confidence, how our experiences create patterns and how those patterns affect our confidence, how we can learn how to embody confidence so we can bring it to every situation and every part of our life, every relationship. We talk about Cena's story uh, and it's such a cool, epic story. 
her life as an elite burlesque performer. And she talks about how, you know, she had one type of confidence, but really lacked the other type of confidence. And it's super cool to hear her story. Uh, And if you jump on her Instagram and have a look at, you know, what she did for over a decade, and then the journey she's been on since she's retired from performing around finding confidence and, you know, finding uh, who Cena is off the stage. And then we talk about her work. She works with clients, uh, mostly women, and it's called The Way of the Confident Woman. And she really helps women embody confidence and so they can, you know, live into their vision, live a life that they love. Uh, they can show up confidently in all areas of their life. It was a gem of a conversation. She is one of the most delicious humans I know. She's exquisite. She's magnetic and magic. I could use all the words um, to describe her, but I really hope you enjoy this very delicious conversation with Sina King on how we can be more confident. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe following a plan that works with your body and has a timeline of years is the future of women's training. I also believe women can train hard. We just need to learn how to do it in a respectful way. So Warrior, this is your go-to show for practical information on training, nutrition, hormones, and performance. Myself and tons of experts will help you create a training strategy that works with your body and gets results. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. Sina King, welcome to the Warrior School podcast. Oh, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. We were just chatting before I hit record. She is drinking a Tim Hortons out of a Tim Hortons mug. It's red. She's got a beautiful red headpiece on that kind of looks like a maple leaf. So we're in um, we're in Canada, Canada style. Even though I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Um yeah, it's so good to be here and I, I, I love your accent, how it's developed. Whatever's going on there, I'm into it. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird eclectic mix, isn't it? It is, it is, but I like that. It's very, um, it's, it's universal, it, it's, got, it's got a global appeal. Yeah. Um, it keeps you on your toes. I like that. It keeps people on their toes. They can't guess. Yes. I've had South African, New Zealand, Canadian, mm-hmm. Australian, but I still say butter with an A. Oh, butter. <laughs> butter on your toast. I don't say wow. butter. 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 No, butter. Butter. Yeah, it's interesting. I never thought about butter. It's literally a double D, isn't it? Yes. Wow. 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 Yeah. yeah. When I, when I overpronunciate my, you know, when I increase the diction level, m- my partner will just be like, what, what did you just say? You know, like I, I try to not 
speak so slang and so I find it quite a lazy, phonetically a lazy language, the, the Australian accent. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always trying to pronounce my words a little bit more clearly just because I know I can and I know that's how the words are meant to sound. But then when you start hanging out with all your Australian friends and you're just like, yeah, nah, yeah, it just becomes like, <laughs> you know, just like you've got a mouthful of marbles and you just can't be bothered talking and you're half asleep. Like that's the energy. Um, so, you know, for an Australian to speak clearly, it's quite an effort. It yeah. does take a lot of focus. It does. But we we can be two Australians speaking clearly today, clear Australian. Wow. wow. Now that in itself, <laughs> if that's the podcast, this is a podcast for anybody wanting to learn Australian that people can understand. Welcome. <laughs> and while we talk, I think we're going to talk about confidence. Oh, well, why not? I'm right into it. I'm very, yeah. I'm very confident to talk about confidence today. I love that. Take a sip of chai. Yep. And then let's yep. talk about confidence. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to kick it off with a bang. What is mm-hmm. confidence? Oh, well, 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 well. Um, look, you know, I, I like to begin the statement of confidence um, with the preface that there's literally two types. I mean, there's a million ways to describe confidence, but in my perspective, I find um, it helps people to understand where I'm coming from when I define it in these two realms. And one is a situational confidence and one is an embodied inherent confidence, right? So situational confidence, situation meaning something outside of yourself is having an effect on you um, and you're feeling something in that space. Right. So um, uh, you could be very confident at work and then you get home, you've got no confidence going on. Right. Or um, you could be at work and not have confidence. But when they start talking about a certain topic, for example, all of a sudden you're very confident. But in the rest of your workspace, not confident. So there's certain situations we um, are in in life where we've had a lot of experience and that experience creates a, um, well, it's a neuroplasticity thing where we start to build bridges in our, um, in our let's say, our mind's web um, of um, patterns that we've repeated over and over and they become stronger. So therefore we feel a sense of, well, that was simple and easy and fun or what have you. So you feel a sense of confidence in that setting um, or um, uh, within that topic. And then there's the other type of confidence. And that's what I work with um, my beautiful clients every day talking about. Um, Because it is one thing to you know, have, have situational confidence, but wouldn't it be great to have that at all times? You know, wouldn't it be great that no matter where you were, who you were speaking to, what you were speaking about, what time of day it was, whether the sun was shining or not, um, what you were wearing, what you were not wearing, whether you had makeup on or, um, you know, whether you'd met that person before, whether you feel like that person doesn't like you or, all right, and the list goes on and on and on for the billions and trillions of external examples of spaces and places and faces that can create um, that um, disconnect for you and your confidence. So, yeah, so the embodied sense of confidence um, 
is the feeling within yourself that you're always okay, no matter what, right? And I use I love the word okay um, because when something's okay, I mean, it's all good. It's not you're not ecstatic and you're not you know over the over the moon. You you haven't moved to one end of the spectrum of you know the so-called good and bad or the high and low and you know duality when you're okay you're kind of in the middle and um it's um it's more of a neutral space you're not in any danger you're not about to um you know push yourself beyond limits etc um you're in a nice neutral space and i say nice because it always feels good there so that's the type of confidence that i'm talking about is just to feel kind of okay with everything you know if someone likes you or not if your hair works out or not um, if your podcast works out or not you're always okay so yeah so it's that um that grounded sense of um feeling okay no matter what yeah would would you say this okayness is it a feeling Mm -hmm. of like safety yes Yes. Safety is the word. Safety is the word. But I feel like the word safety um, immediately makes people think of whether they're safe or unsafe. Um, And it's like, oh, now I feel safe before I felt so unsafe. And it's like, um, you don't have to feel unsafe to need a sense of safety. Um, It's just something that uh, something that once you are safe within yourself, everything outside of you starts to feel safe. Um, and it's not that it was unsafe before, it's just that you didn't feel safe. If that makes sense? Yes. Yeah. So and you I think can, that's a really can, important distinction. Yeah. You can think back to three years ago in your life. Um, and there was something that you were doing three years ago that um, you were so, uh, you felt so out of your comfort zone. You, you didn't feel safe in that environment to talk. You didn't feel safe to, you know, um, be seen, for example. And now three years later, you've been through life experiences, et cetera. You could go back to that scenario and you would feel you'd feel safe and you'd feel fine. And that situation has not changed. Just how you feel has changed. Um, And that's what I feel confidence is, is changing the way you feel so that no matter what circumstances, you always take that sense of um, feeling with you, which is essentially safety. Yeah. Yeah. is you know the the first type of confidence that situational confidence is that mm. is it more like a learned confidence through experience yes because it's outside of you yes it's you relating to the outside yes so that takes interaction anything outside of you takes experience and interaction yes and then the the second type of confidence, would you say that's also like a learned or, or how do you, yeah, how do you look at it, the, the second type? Well, I'd say it's more about awareness. It's about having more self-awareness um, and that's an internal thing. You know, self-awareness is from within um, and it's just taking notice of the way um, it's really about how you feel, honestly, like I bring everything back to the body and we were talking a little bit earlier about the nervous system, um, you know, and regulating your nervous system. And luckily it's starting to become a very 
popular topic in the world of uh, self, self-awareness because people are starting to recognise how much um, information your body holds and is, is communicating with you at all times. Um, so I think like just thinking about it now, like the situational confidence is when you override your body and you use your mind to, to create a sense of feeling um, of confidence right um and then when you have an embodied sense of confidence literally in the body embody um sense of confidence is when um you allow your body to communicate what's going on in the outside world but it's not dictating how you feel you're just aware of it so it's self-awareness of how your body feels in an environment and then on the other end is um is is an understanding within yourself of what that means whereas before it used to be telling you what what it it means does that make sense so your body used to be like you don't feel safe you feel uncomfortable um you're you know you should not be here or leave the room or scream at someone or yell really loudly and leave right um and then when it's coming from the body it's a it's a softer communication it's um something doesn't feel quite right here get curious I wonder what it could be um so I feel like it could be that I feel like Jenny doesn't really like me um is that true is it true that Jenny doesn't like you well not really I mean it's just in my mind okay so what's my body telling me my body's telling me um that I need to remember um, that I am safe and I'm okay. And whether Jenny likes me or not, I'm still okay. And it's that kind of communication. So instead of saying, I don't feel safe, Jenny hates me, I'm going to yell at Jenny or, um, you know, poor Jenny, poor Jenny. Jenny's my my um, example name. I love the name Jenny. Hi, Jenny's out there. Any Jenny's, I love your name. I just always have my whole life. I don't know what it is, but it's always been Jenny for me. Um, so, so poor Jenny in that situation, you know, because you're, you, if you're listening to your body telling you what to do, um, oh, sorry, overriding your body based on, on your mind in the situation, um, you'll get the, the ping of, hang on, something's going on here. And then your mind starts to sort it out. Okay, what can I do? I know, I'll yell at Jenny. Um, all right, Jenny reminds me of someone from primary school. I'm going to punch Jenny okay maybe you're not that physical but um or I'm not going to write back to Jenny or I'm going to avoid Jenny right um and then <laughs> the Jenny at least you're giving Karen a rest poor Karen yeah. got <laughs> oh, you know I have a friend Karen who's starting a business and she was thinking about changing the name and I said no own your Karen-ness okay because not all Karens were created equal and poor Karen I said you've got to stand up for Karen you've got to show people that Karen is amazing you've got to own the name Karen you've got to get out there and be as Karen as you want and she was like oh I'm glad I spoke to you because she was about to start an entire you know career under a moniker because people have been picking on poor Karens you know I love you Karen too if you're listening Carrie Karen Jenny we're all in a love fest here so anyway, so back to poor Jenny. So so Jenny's in the outside world and um, situational situational Amy um, might be um, feeling like it's Jenny creating the problem. Actually, it's it's Amy's nervous system saying something about this 
state um, feels familiar or feels unfamiliar and I'm having a reaction, can you address what's going on? Really the body's saying, hey, hey, just keep an eye out just in case there's something going on here because there's a reminder that you may or may not be safe, right? And then, and then internal Amy not situational Amy, internal Amy would, would get curious and say, oh, that's right, yes, Jenny does remind me of my old neighbour who betrayed me and, um, yes, that's why I was having that reaction. It's okay, body, I've understood and I've got this and, you know, it's like you're giving yourself a warm metaphysical hug in the moment and you carry on, you keep your heart open and you keep talking to Jenny and you and Jenny become good friends and, you know, the world's your oyster. So in that situation. This is how I coach, by the yeah. way. Sorry. No, um, I love it. I so love when it. Pe- when people talk to me, it's, we're, we're having, it's like we're in, we're in our own movie and it's the best thing ever. But yeah, I feel like you could, you can, you can pick up what I'm putting down. Um, and hopefully the listeners out there as well. Um, Karen and Jenny and all the other fabulous people um, are following along. <laughs> to my neurodivergent uh, explanations. I love that, Sina. Would you say that someone who struggles a little bit more to embody confidence has trouble navigating a situation like that? Yeah, because it's a skill, you know, it's a skill that we teach ourselves. It's a skill that we practice. And the more we practice it, it becomes part of our everyday. And when it becomes part of your everyday, you don't have to, um, run the program every time because you've built up, like I mentioned earlier, the neuro, neuroplasticity where the, where the webs of your brain, um, basically the highway traffic of your brain, um, once it gets used more, most often, it builds like a fatter highway or freeway, whatever you call it in your country. Um, and so if you're, you've got a pathway of divert, avoid, run for your life, right in certain situations that's your that's your comfort zone and that's your normal go-to um but if you start to um stay present in your body and not and not just do what your mind's telling you all the time and go hang on i know you're going to run on that um run for your life pathway but um I'm just going to get curious like I'm practicing and in this practicing moment, I'm going to check if what my body is telling me um, is based on something that's happening in the world or is something that's a a memory or is it um, something that I can question and get curious. Um, And the more you do that and you interrupt that pattern, um, you can start to build a new pathway. And so every time you go to run the automatic pattern, um, you get a chance to build, you know, like a little off route, another diversion. And then as you start to um, uh, notice that pattern most more frequently and you will start to notice it, once you notice it in one area of your life, you'll notice it in every part of your life. So if it's not just romantic relationship, it'll then be in business and it'll be the way you speak to the grocer. Oh, grocer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, the fruit guy, the fruit woman. Um <laughs> So, yeah, so you'll start to notice that that pattern was happening in every every area of your life. And so you start to slowly build a new pattern and then that new pattern becomes your normal. So your normal is no longer run for your life. Your normal is now to stay in the moment and get curious. And then as you do that more, that pathway um, 
starts to become stronger and and just becomes your normal response so in a situation you don't run anymore you literally stay in the moment you get curious and it's almost um exciting once you start to use a new pathway it's it's literally like you're running a new operating system um and it's very much like Neo in the Matrix. And, and I know we all saw that and went, hang on a second, maybe I can learn Kung Fu in five minutes. Um, there is so much we can do when, when our bodies and our minds are working together as best friends, yeah. as opposed to, um, you know, the neighbours that didn't really talk or have anything to do with each other and just kind of annoyed each other with their bins and their, you know, clamouring or, you know, the, the tree hanging over the fence. Um, the relationship becomes more like uh, housemates as opposed to annoying neighbours. <laughs> Good analogy. Why do you feel like some of us really struggle with our confidence in our confidence? Struggle? I would say the hmm, one of the top things that would come to mind would be literally the patterns, the patterns that we've been running for such a long time. And it's what I just talked about undoing. Um, we struggle because we have an automatic program already put in place. And the big struggle comes because that program actually feels comfortable, right? The annoying part of our life is actually comfortable for us. It's actually safe for us. So the constant betrayal is, is, is very familiar or the, um, you know, the, the person that always lets you down is like, that's your best mate, you know, in your patterns I'm talking about. Um, so they're so, they're so um, ingrained in us that they feel normal and familiar that we struggle to move out of that because we don't know we're in it. It's hard to know you're dreaming if you're asleep, right? Um, you're, you're in, you're in the nightmare. You don't know you're in it. You're just in it, right? Um, so the self-awareness is being able to question everything. Is this real? Is this true? Is Can I do something else here? Can I interrupt this pattern? Do I have to be bad with money? Do I have to feel nervous about spending? Do I have to um, um, not say anything when I feel uncomfortable in a romantic situation? Do I have to, right? So you start questioning, hang on a second, I've always done this and it's not really working out very well for me. How do I do something else? And I think that's the thing with confidence is um, we don't know how to do something else. And that's why it's so annoying because you're like, I know I want to do something else. That's that's the big part when you go, oh, I actually know I want to do something different here, but I just don't know how to do it. Um, and that's when working with a mentor or coach, um, reading books, listening to great podcasts like this, um, they all start to add little, little hints um, and the more frequently you listen to this sort of thing or you engage in this, this type of um, communication, you're creating a new storyline for your mind to hook into. So the patterns that we've grown up with and literally from zero to seven, I think, is a foundational age of creating most of your beliefs in life, right? And then they get compounded and added to and um turned into super super beliefs um, throughout your teen years etc um 
And then by the time you're in your 20s and 30s, you're just living the patterns over and over again. And I think that's when a lot of people start to go, hang on a second. Now I see the pattern. This friend from kindergarten or primary school, you know, was like that person in high school that turned out to be like that boss I ended up getting a job with that turned out to be like, right? And you start to see these patterns. Why do I keep meeting these people? Or why do I keep having these type of relationships? Or why do I keep having money and then not having money? Or why do I keep um, saying I want to do something, getting halfway and then not finishing it, right? So we start to see these patterns in our life. And that's when you know, we have an opportunity to change it. So I think the people struggle with confidence because um, they don't know really what the pattern is. And even if you do start to recognize the pattern, you don't know how to change it. So there's a, there's a stage of moving from situational confidence to embodied um, inherent confidence. And that is um, the awareness, the practice, and then it becoming your everyday. So yes, that's the transition. So there's no wonder, there's no wonder that people struggle with confidence because they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Can we talk through that transition? Can we talk through what that work looks like? Um, I think it's different for every person, but um, I'd say the foundational piece would be um becoming more present in your body I'd say that because we spend I say we 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 live in more of a masculine um and that's not gender this is like just energetics right the masculine energetics of structure order um measurement time um the mind right? And consciousness. It's all very masculine energetics. And so the the world we're living in, the Western world that we set up is very much about that. It's very much about living in that state. And that's why it's um, it was all mindset and mindset and thought control and mindset, right? And then you, you watch television, it's all about reprogramming your mind. Everything's mind, 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 right? Um, and so shifting out of living in your mind, to living in harmony with your body and mind, um, it unlocks, it unlocks, oh, I feel like 80% of wisdom that was held from you. And all of a sudden your body is now the answer as opposed to the thing that carried around your mind, you know, that you just made it look good and you put cool clothes on it and you, you worked it out so it didn't deteriorate fast. And, you know, um, you put you put good food in it so that, again, you look good and that it didn't deteriorate fast, right, um, as opposed to your body actually carrying more wisdom and information than your own brain, right? It's like think of the surface space of your body <laughs> and how it interacts. Literally, it interacts with the physical world. Like your mind is in your head. It's in your head. It's not, it's not, it's not physically interacting with the world. The body is. Um, and so your body is there to, to um, almost like a receiver to pick up the, it's to pick up the unseen actually in the physical world and then send a message to, to your, let's say your spirit, your soul, your mind, whatever you want to call it, um, of it's like, it's like it's leaving clues and keys, you know, everywhere you go. 
Um, and so, yeah, so it's about, it's about being in the body. It's about understanding what the body is telling you. So learning about your feelings and emotions. Um, and then it's um, once you're starting to understand your emotions and feelings, looking at your patterns, looking at the patterns and why, how they got there what they are um, and then um, it's about uh, you know moving through the old patterns and reprogramming new patterns um, and a lot of that comes from like your nervous system um, and because the nervous system is basically like the body version of the brain network right um, so when you're reprogramming pathways in 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 your mind uh, you need to reprogram the pathways in in the body so, um, and that, that, that's, that's part of the process. Like I said, it's different for everyone, depending on where you're at. Um, but that's kind of what the, the pathway looks like getting out of your head into your body, learning what the body has been trying to tell you all these years, you know, forgiving yourself and having compassion for not knowing different, uh, reprogramming those patterns, um, and then moving forward and, um, and practicing them until they become your normal operating system. Yeah, I feel like so many of us have a lot of trouble being in the body, actually embodying the body. How mm -hmm. do you support someone or help someone to learn how to be in their body again? I feel like so many of us for so long have been so disconnected from the body and we don't trust it. We don't have any confidence in it. We don't know how to listen to it. Mm. Yeah, for I, you know. It's like any relationship, you've got to build it. Relationships are created. Um, and you can't just walk up to the mirror and be like, hey, me and you, we're best friends now. Like if you did that to someone in the street, they'd be like, you're certified insane and I reject you. In fact, I take 10 steps away from you now, right? So you don't force the relationship. You slowly build it. And like any good relationship, it's built on um, uh, trust. It's like, you know, it's built on respect. Uh, it's built on good communication. And so think of your body as, as your new best friend that doesn't know it's your best friend yet, right? Um, like, oh, I just... I really want to, I really want to become best friends with you, body. And I know I just don't want to freak you out and just, you know, move in and start having parties with you when you don't even know me. So it's like you're starting to get to know your own body again. So it's a slow relationship. Um, but it's beautiful and it's fun, like any new relationship, you know, there's 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 moments of um connection and communication where you're like, oh, my God, I, I, I can't believe I didn't hang out with you soon enough. You know, I can't believe we haven't been spending all this time together. You're so much fun. You're the most fun I've ever had, actually, hanging out with you in my body. You're the best, you know, and I can't believe I used to just get you to go and do things for me all the time instead of actually um, appreciating you and, and listening to you. I've never listened to you or heard what you've been trying to tell me. I'm really sorry about that you know, and it's that kind of relationship you start building. So that's how I guide people and how to, um, how to, I'm basically like just like a guide for somebody um, starting a, a new relationship, whether it's with this, themselves, their bodies or with another person. Um, yeah, it's about just look at relationship keys. 
for you and another person what's good there what do you like there that's the relationship that you have with with building um with your body what a cool perspective thanks yeah it's a (laughs) really yeah it's a really cool um way to look at it and frame it up I think I I Mm. really I really like that and I feel Mm. like that can be really powerful and I hope that resonates with some people listening around yeah yeah, this whole idea of relating to your body and being Mm -hmm. in relationship and Mm -hmm. thinking of actual relationships with people Mm -hmm. how those relationships develop and grow over time and they also change as well depending on life and situations and so then being able to listen and understand and also have the confidence when it changes I think is is vital Mm. yeah the confidence when it changes goes hand in hand when it changes you feel confident um but yeah I think um when I remember I had this kind of aha moment and um, I don't like the word aha moment. I don't know. I just feel like Bing! that's more of my like, it, it's like the, the light bulb. I like the light bulb going off moment. So I had a bing moment um, where I, you know, I'd been a people pleaser a lot of my life. And that was my, um, that was one of my ways of staying safe or feeling safe was to keep everyone else around me happy and then I'm okay. But really um, you start to have this martyrdom where you start to feel like I've done this for this person, they're going to do this for me. Or if I just keep everybody happy, then I'm a good person and I'm safe or everybody will like me, right? Um, but what what I one of the biggest you know, moments for me was recognizing that actually all the good that I was doing was really just about me. It was keeping me safe. It was keeping me happy. It was keeping me feeling good about myself. So no wonder it didn't come across as genuine because it was coming from a place of uh, survival. And so a lot of the good that I felt like I was doing to discover that it was actually a selfish trait and that it was more about my own survival as opposed to um, genuinely giving from a full cup um, is when I realised that if I was to build genuine um, connection and authentic relationships, it needed to be coming from a space of... um, of giving not from survival and so that's when I mentioned before once you start to recognize these patterns this is just one example of a pattern it's a big pattern but um let's say now I look at how was I um having that relationship with myself like what part of doing nice things for myself was just to keep myself feeling like I was okay and I was safe, but really it was coming from a state of survival. Like what was I doing in my life that was really just to sort of keep me feeling a certain way as opposed to it being genuine? So, you know, what was the driver behind a lot of my actions? Was it um, was it because I was truly fascinated by something and it really lit me up and um, I followed, you know, like my heart was like, go and try it, try this. This is amazing. Or was it go and do this? Because if you do this, people will like you. 
right? And so yeah. that's a pattern. You look at your pattern in relating to others and then you look at that pattern and see how that pattern relates to you relating to yourself. And so that's, again, any relationship pattern you have, look at that same relationship within yourself. So if I always was being betrayed by people, where was I always betraying myself? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the methods that we we go through within a coaching setting as well is having a look at your patterns and then going, aha, now let's look at those patterns and how they've been showing up with your relationship to yourself. But then it's obviously about what do I do to get out of that? How do I change that? And that's when it becomes a one-on-one situation. Yeah. And then by moving through this work, then it goes into like situational confidence. So by going through the work, being aware of the patterns, being in the body, listening. And then when you find yourself in a situation, there is more confidence there because you've been through that process. So say you need to have a hard conversation with your partner and maybe Mm -hmm. you didn't do the work before. And so maybe the conversation never happens or... Mm -hmm. It's never um, a productive conversation. And then you, you go through and you do this work and we can use the same example as having this conversation. Is it then using that situation to, to help build confidence or someone by doing the work can go into the situation and have more confidence to have the conversation? I think it's about recognising the pattern that wants to kick in in that environment that's actually where the confidence comes from. The confidence comes from awareness, right? So the more awareness you have of what normally happens in that situation, that's when you go, oh, it's happening. That thing's happening where I shut down or where I want to run away or when I want to fight and scream or when I want to, um, you know, um, make everyone else feel better right? Fawn, fawn over everyone and make everyone feel good. And then, and then just pretend it didn't happen. Like what's your normal state of response, right? And everyone kind of has their, like, um, their default mode, right? So if you grew up in a home that was very loud, uh, or very, um, you know, felt dangerous and retreating to your bedroom was like your safe space or under the covers, that was your thing. Um, you will most likely be the type of person when in in a confrontation, you will most likely just leave the room and go somewhere quiet, right? So that's a pattern. The pattern started from zero to seven, most likely, and then that pattern's now carrying into every single part of your life, right? So that's once you, the beauty of all this work is that once you unravel that pattern, right? And you find out where it started from, how it got there, and then you recognize all the moments in your life where that pattern was running and you disrupt that pattern, the beauty is all the situations in your life that are running from that pattern then get to be disrupted. You don't have to disrupt 50,000 examples. You just disrupt the original pattern, okay, and then the original pattern becomes a new program. And so now you take that program out into every 50,000 examples in the external world and that's why the situational stuff you could be doing that for the rest of your life. And some people do spend their entire life trying to create situational confidence in every situation. Could you imagine that? 
Um, yes. Okay. I, I'm getting it. Like, are you I'm getting, getting it? Okay. The embodiment, so, the full embodiment of confidence. If you embody yes. confidence, no matter you what take it everywhere. You take it everywhere. You take it anywhere. You take it talking to people, flying. You take it um, walking onto a stage. It goes with you everywhere. It's literally you are walking around in confidence. That's that's embodied confidence. You're walking around in the essence of your confidence. It's a self-awareness. You know who you are. You know how you respond. Even if you still do get triggered, right? And the trigger is the memory of the of a trauma, or it's the um, it's the body's response to a memory of a of a previous trauma or an unresolved pattern. Um, even if that does still happen, when you are confident that you're not going to run away from yourself anymore. You're going to stay there and you're not going to abandon yourself. You're going to stay there and you're going to go, okay, this is ouchy. This is uncomfortable. Oh, this is exactly the type of thing I love running away from. Wouldn't it be so fun to just run for my life right now? Um, But no, we're not doing that anymore. We're not running that pattern anymore. Um, but it might take me a few goes and that's okay. I'm going to have patience and I'm going to feel, you know, I'm going to give myself some grace. Um, that actually builds confidence each time you you work through it, whether, whether you do it immediately or not, you're building the confidence and you're building the confidence of the relationship with yourself. So really confidence is having a healthy and loving relationship with yourself. And I'm going to write that down. Write that down. Write that down. If you're listening, confidence is having a healthy and loving relationship with yourself. It truly is because, you know, there's such, when we think of confidence, we just think of posture, someone being able, like very much situational. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, she does a podcast. She's confident. She must be confident because she does this podcast or Mm -hmm. she gets on stage and she performs Mm -hmm. as a burlesque Mm -hmm. performer. Mm -hmm. She must be confident. Um, Right. But she's just taught herself how to feel confident in that situation. Dancing was something I did my whole life. I did it from five years old and it was something, it was one of the very few things that I always felt safe to do. One, I was on a stage, people couldn't come near me or touch me or, um, you know, betray me or attack me or anything. I was safe. I was on a stage. That was a safe space. The other thing was, um, you know, family would come and watch me. So I was seen. People were seeing me, right? Um, I wasn't so much heard, but I was expressed. So I could express my feelings on the stage and it would all just come out of every limb, right? So I felt I felt seen, I felt expressed, um, and I felt safe. So no wonder I kept doing it. No wonder, right? And no wonder I felt confident doing it because the situation ticked all the boxes of feeling okay. Um, and it doesn't mean I didn't love it. I absolutely loved it. But then, Hey, if I was also feeling safe and comfortable and okay, as, um, I don't know, I won't say doing math, but that's probably, (laughs) that probably was never going to happen. But, um, you know, being like singing, I loved singing, but I never felt safe doing it. You know, someone might've shamed me or, um, you know, told me to shut up or not encouraged it. And, you know, maybe I could have been 
Beyonce, I don't know. You know, if that, if I went to church like Beyonce and I sung in church like Beyonce and everyone thought I was amazing like Beyonce and I was, I felt safe in the choir like Beyonce and I felt seen in the, in the choir like Beyonce. Yeah. So I felt seen and heard and safe from a very young age singing in a choir at church like Beyonce. Maybe I could have turned out like Beyonce. Do you get where I'm going? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so um, now it's what it's about is saying, how do, I, how do I allow, give myself permission to feel safe, to feel seen, to be heard um, and received and expressed no matter what because then that energy um, is with you at all times and you could be Beyonce at anything. You could be a yeah. Beyonce uh, digital marketer. You could be a Beyonce podcaster. It doesn't matter because you're, you're already feeling that within yourself. So you just apply you to anything outside yourself. And you will have Beyonce level confidence because it's it's that that's what it is. Yeah. And everyone wants Beyonce level confidence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I actually feel like I'm more confident than Beyonce. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know her. I don't know her, but I, I I would say like I'm the most confident version of me that exists in the world. Beyonce is not more confident at being me. That's no one's truth. more confident at being Beyonce than Beyonce, but I don't want to be like Beyonce. That's external. It doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, I don't want to be like Beyonce. I want to be like me and I want to be the most me that I can be and that is the most safe, the most seen, the most um, embodied, the most present, you know, the most unfiltered, the most um, um, unpatterned, let's call it, version of me. What do I look like without patterns? Who am I without judgment? Who, who am I if I don't have to impress anybody, right? Who's that person? What does she look like? How does she sound? What does she do? Yeah. Um, and that's the person that, you know, I want to get to know. I don't care about Beyonce. She's not, she's no queen bee of mine. I don't look up to her. No, does that make sense? You're queen S. I'm Queen Me. Queen you. I queen have a me. Que- yeah, I have a question for you. When mm-hmm. you were performing, did you embody confidence or did you have mostly situational confidence? Oh, what a great question. That's an amazing question because I was I was so in it that I, I didn't know the difference. You know, when you don't know what you don't know, as I said before, how was I supposed to know? I didn't know and um, I would say a lot of it was situational a lot of it was situational because I was still afraid of being heard Um, I didn't feel comfortable being seen unless it was in that curated space Um, I felt extremely expressed I'll give myself that that was the one thing that always led me to do things was to find a way to feel expressed right Um, but being expressed is also being being seen and being heard, but it was almost like the creativity was my safe space to be seen and heard. But outside of that creative environment, um, it was very selective. It was very curated because um, I didn't feel safe around anyone at any time. Absolutely not. So it very much was, um, I'd say, predominantly it was situational. Obviously, as we learn and grow, we become, we become adults. There's wonderful skills that we start to learn where we can start to um, stay more present, et cetera. But I would say the majority of that, yes, was situational. 
Yeah, I'd love, can you just share a little bit about uh, what you did, you know, like how long you performed? Oh, yeah. yeah, I so think. For anyone who doesn't know me, um, I'm Sina King. I was one of the greatest burlesque showgirls in the world and I did it for <laughs> over 10 years. Um, yeah, I traveled. Um, I, You know, I was on 50 flights a year. I headlined events in, I don't know, Vienna, Berlin, um, around Australia, New Zealand. Um, yeah, I got to travel a lot. I got to do what I love. Um, I designed my own costumes. I, um, I invented a new prop, a, a king-size boa, which is a giant ostrich feather boa. Um, I designed glamour. I actually mentored in mindset and um, uh, physical confidence. So you could see how the body was missing in that the innate um, wisdom of the body was missing in a lot of what I taught, but a lot of what I taught did help a lot of people. It didn't help them get to where I am now, but it did help them get to where I was then, if that makes sense. To perform. Um, correct, yeah, yeah, to put on an amazing show, yeah. <laughs> um, to connect with your audience, to um, bring as much you to your performance. And that's that's a lot of where I learned um, a lot about authenticity um, was Getting up on stage authentically was an amazing way to um, really push past a lot of a lot of my um, insecurities, I guess, um, and go well. I've put myself out there. Where else can I put myself? You know, like I really put myself on stage. People really got to see me on stage, um, and so yeah, so that that led to it for me. So yeah. I traveled the world. I got to do amazing things. Um, I was a producer. I put on stage shows. Um, yeah, we'd have like maybe 10 of the best performers in the country um, and we'd do sellout shows and cool theatres and, yeah, it was really awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, I became a model from that, a pinup model and a, and a, a muse model for photographers, so professional photographers um, around the world would book me and we would take photos and they would enter them in uh, awards um, and we'd win lots of awards and things together. So it was just great because I um, got to create um, images as well as live performances. So lots of visual art in 10 years. And, uh, yeah, now I'm not, not doing that anymore. Do you miss it? Um. And I just really, I really did it, you know, like I really did it. There was a point where I was thinking about um, stopping and actually coaching maybe about five years ago. And um, I remember telling a friend who was a coach and she said, why are you going to stop? You haven't finished. I said, what do you mean I haven't finished? I've, you know, I've done this. I've performed in Vegas, the Hall of Fame, and, you know, what, what else? I'm headlining here and all around Europe, and I'm getting the best private bookings in the world, literally. Getting flown across the globe to perform for five minutes for, you know, fabulous people and, you know, amazing environments. And I thought, well, what more do you, what should I be doing, you know? She's like, you just haven't finished. And I was like, oh rude and then I thought no okay so I'm being triggered for a reason I need to have a think about that and then um I realized what she recognized was I hadn't really expressed who I really was you know and so halfway through my career um my style changed a lot 
um, I pulled back from a lot of the um, touring and I created things that were just more present, full of fun, more joy, um, more about connecting as opposed to showing. Um, I made everything myself as opposed to trying to get the best people to make the best things, you know. Um, so it just became more and more authentic. So the, the second half of my career, I don't just count the first half. I still think I was fabulous, but the second half just felt more, there was more me in it. And I was so glad I didn't stop actually. And I really got to see what, um, what I look like in a show. And so I feel like I really got to put me into a burlesque act. And of course, my ideas are endless. The budget could be endless. And, uh, you know, I could tour the entire world with the biggest budget and, you know, I could create, of course, you can always do more, but the essence of who I was was there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like I've, I've really, I really express myself as a burlesque performer and I'm happy to, to, to step away knowing that I did do that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what you stepped into now and what you do now? Yeah. Well, it's, it's really like, um, tippy-toeing into as opposed to stepping into um and that's that's also very um conscious I'm I'm going slow to go fast I've gone fast in so many things before so what I'm doing now is um I'm painting so abstract art and just my I've you know I turn my um my costume making studio into a painting studio now. So, um, you know, put down the, the splash proof floor and, um, you know, it's full, full of empty canvases and, and paints. And um, so there's that. So I still get to use my hands. I still get to bring something visual to life, which is essentially so important to me. Um, but the other facet is uh, coaching. So I'm one-on-one coaching with women um around confidence just life confidence just embodied confidence um and so that's been one-on-one in private so I haven't done anything public even if you went to my social media which used to be so active people followed me on all my tours met everyone I met um they saw everything I was doing they watched me make every costume they saw all the people that bought any of my boas they just got to see absolutely everything that ever did um and I loved it but where I'm at now it's like I just want to go slow like I just really wanted to have more uh me time and really just be really present for everyone that I'm working with one-on-one um I'm learning so much every time you teach you learn you know so I'm guiding women but they're I'm just seeing what's happening in their lives and it's 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 informing what I'm coaching as well so I'm really enjoying the 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 pulled back private nature of what I'm doing at the moment after being so public for so long um so yeah coaching and painting and the painting I'm um again I'm just trying so many different expressions and styles and that's what I did in burlesque as well um and I'm I'm finding a way to put me on a canvas is in a sense of the essence of what I want to express on a canvas so that's what I'm kind of you know also playing around with um so yeah so there's not a lot 
um, out being outwardly sort of projected at the moment. Um, that's when I say tippy-toeing into a new career or careers. Um, you know, back in the day, I, I remember I launched um, the king size boa, which which was the ostrich si- uh, the largest ostrich size feather boa on the market. Um, and I invented these bangles, these handles that have been unfortunately copied and ripped off by a few people. But um, I, yeah, I did that. And I was, um, I remember I made the prototype for myself, just curious. And I was, you know, in my studio and I was like, oh, I wonder if I did this. And that ended up becoming an entire business for me, you know, like um, Asia O'Hara, like so, so many um, well-known people in the world of burlesque and drag and uh, photography or have them now around the world and it's amazing. But that was never my plan at all. So my thing back then was, um, oh, everyone likes this prototype. I'd take it to the studio and everyone's like, where'd you get it? Can I have one? The next day I literally just put up a photo, went introducing introducing the king size boa if you want one let me know um I got 12 orders that day and I was like whoops (laughs) okay I I thought this was going to be a little side fun thing to do on the side in my studio when I wasn't doing my own thing and it turned into um I worked an entire year full-time just making them I, I, like luckily it was COVID um, and I didn't really have any performing to do, but that's what I did after I was performing. Um, I was making feather boas full-time um, and I was studying obviously um, my coaching, the coaching industry I was studying as well. So I was making boas and learning learning my craft from my next career. Um, but, yeah, that explosive kind of like, here I am, this is the thing. That's just was always, has always been my style. Um, and so I've wanted to go slow with something for the first time and just see what that's like, you know, the long game. I learned that from John Marsh, actually, a mentor of yours um, and and mine, obviously. We we've, we both know him and he's legendary. Um, I remember him talking about going slow to go fast and I was like, who wants to go slow? Oh, that's boring. That's for boring people. Boring people go slow. You can go slow, John Marsh. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> See ya. I'm Dude. in the fast lane. Hi. <laughs> exactly. It was like, uh, man, I can do 75 things while you're going slow, you know, and that was always my thing. Whereas um, now I've turned over a new leaf and I'm my nervous system enjoys going slow. Um and I'm not doing anything out of survival. I'm doing it out of conscious choice. And um, I'm not needing to prove anything. And um, the pace is what it is. And I'm getting more comfortable with people receiving it at whatever pace that my self body wants to move at um, and then go from there. So I'm slowly building up that um, capacity to hold energetically I'm building up my capacity to hold more so that um, I don't just go here's a 10 times the size of me idea and now I've got to step into it which yes you can do but 
I mean, I had my thyroid taken out because I had papillary thyroid cancer and 56 lymph nodes. Um, that got taken out after I stopped performing um, just before COVID hit, just before. So I was in and out of hospital, then COVID hit. So luckily, um, so my recovery time was while the rest of the world was kind of locked down anyway. Um, but, you know, what caused my body to be not at ease? Was it, was it the pace that I did everything? Was it the um, jumping in to everything, constantly putting myself into a state of um, dysregulation? Yeah. And um, I would say yes, because I was in dysregulated relationships. I was in dysregulated careers. I was in dysregulated everything. And so, yeah, my body was not at ease. And um, yeah, so now I'm going, oh, this is such a long answer, but I'm, I'm going slow with these careers. And that's why. And I think I'm just sharing the lesson because I know there's so many, I just, I, now that I'm not going at that pace, I see so many people um, that are going faster than they energetically are prepared for and you can see the struggle. Like you can actually see they're not coping, you know. Um, So, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Beautiful. Regulating yourself, going slow. Mm -hmm. Sina, do you have anything else to say on confidence before we finish our Australian podcast? Wow. Um, What else can I say? I mean, I can, yeah, I could could fill your whole hundred podcasts talking (laughs) about this stuff. Um, What else can I say? You know, again, on the going slow to go fast, it's really just about that one day at a time, you know, one lesson at a time, one pattern at a time. Um, I've become a gardener. So during lockdown, I got my own place because I wasn't traveling the world anymore and I could have plants. Amazing. I could have plants and I could watch them grow. And um, so I started gardening and I planted one season and then, you know, I ate all the food from that season. And then, you know, between that season and the next one, I kind of got a bit sloppy because I was like, oh, that was fun. Um, but now, oh, my God, I have to take out all those old plants and, you know, cultivate the, the soil again and watch and then plant new things and find out what season everything is going to be and what goes where. And I was like, oh, you know, that's a lot. <laughs> so I avoided it because that was a pattern of mine. When things get seem a little bit overwhelming, you just avoid them. Just keep walking past the garden. Um, and so when I finally got to the garden, all this beautiful green foliage on the top that I thought was just pretty stuff that just popped up was very deep-rooted weeds, very deep-rooted Things that I Google image searched um, actually takes over your whole garden bed um, and the roots are so um, prominent that at the end of the root, a little bulb grows. And then when that bulb finally breaks open, 5,000 of them spring open from it. So I had to go through my entire garden bed with a tiny little shovel, tiny, and I dug deep, deep down to the deep part of the root, found the bulbs of thousands when I said like I was like a crazy lady in my garden and I took I finally took out all these weeds it took me weeks weeks to get rid of 
that let's call it the damage that I did to my garden bed because my other food couldn't grow because the all the root space was taken up by weeds. So the damage that was done by me ignoring this overwhelming task ended up being so much work to undo it. Um, and now I've finally got this beautiful clean garden bed and it's all, you know, fertilized and it's great stuff happening. And I've just put the mulch down and they're all planted. It could be a bit late. I don't know, but I finally did. And I didn't care because I was like, no integrity. And I did it. But the point of this long story is there are weeds that are going to pop up in your life. Um, and if you ignore them, they could take over your whole garden bed, right? And that's when people start feeling depressed and they feel like detached from their goals and et cetera. And it's because there's all these little things that we ignore. It's like, oh, I don't really like how that thing's going in that relationship, but I'll ignore it. Oh, um, I don't really enjoy talking to this mentor, but I'll just keep paying them. Or um, um, I don't really like how, you know, we just keep ignoring these little weeds. And before you know it, you go, you want to go and plant new ideas. Yeah. You want to go and plant new goals. You want to, you, you want to have this confidence to go and start, but all of a sudden you're like, where do I put these things? I don't feel like I have that space for it anymore because you're full of weeds. So for confidence moving forward, if I leave anyone with something is um, this year for me was about foundations and building a good foundation and a good foundation means slowly and passionately and with love, removing um, those patterns, those blockages, those not blockages, the patterns, um, uh, the weeds in, in your garden, just one at a time. And if it is that um, you purposely sleep in so that you miss that training or, you know, you know that you, that there's these little patterns that we start to notice. Where am I sabotaging? Where am I abandoning myself? Where am I, you know, where am I not showing up for myself? Where am I overwhelming myself so that I don't have to do the other things, right? And starting to look at your behavior and think, hang on a sec, that's a pattern. I'm going to slowly undo that one pattern. I'm going to undo that one pattern. That's it. That's it. All I'm going to do is, undo the pattern where I say I'm going to do something and then I don't do it, that pattern's going. Now, every time I say something, I'm going to do it. And that will teach me only to say I'm going to do things that I actually know I'm going to do, or it will teach me to actually have the determination to complete something that I really wanted. Or it will teach me that if I wanted it and then I change my mind that that's okay and I don't have to feel guilty. And then I learn whether it was a sabotage or whether it was something I just no longer wanted to do. That's the process by looking at that one weed, if that makes sense. And then once you get rid of that one weed, the rest of your garden doesn't have to be filled with things you say you're going to do and then you don't do anymore. So that builds your confidence as well by removing them and having this beautiful garden bed where you can plant anything you want, wherever you want. So that's my closing analogy. Beautiful. That is a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did see that the other day on your stories when you were out there and you were talking oh. about your foundations and your weeds. And I thought, mm -hmm. If, yeah, if you didn't bring it up, I was just going to ask you at the end just about mm. your, your weed analogy, but um, <laughs> thanks for, yeah, thanks for sharing the story mm. and mm. thank you for coming on today. Thank you for sharing your work, your view about confidence. Uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love speaking to you. I love your accent. Um, And thank you for listening. And thank you for everyone out there listening to us today as well. Um, And we wish you so much, so much love and, um, you know, compassion on your journey to to, um, feeling confident within yourself to finally allow yourself to to see yourself to hear yourself and to be present with yourself um and you're amazing and you can join me on instagram if you want you join me on instagram um and um i'm i'm slowly i'm slowly there you know you've seen me amy i'm i'm slowly there i'm still there slowly yeah Yeah. um yeah I love seeing when you're in your studio painting I love seeing when you're dancing or even when you combine the painting and the dancing together I love seeing you (laughs) in your garden like when I uh when I watch you it just the embodiment of joy and feeling just like Mm. radiates and pretty much spills out of my phone like into my lap <laughs> when I see you know, and it's just pure pleasure to to watch you and you know I've been following you for quite a while now and even like I've just noticed this like the pulling of the weeds mm. and the the growth and the joy and the finding of like the scena that's not the scena on the stage and so it's just mm-hmm. been it's just been so cool to bear witness to oh thank you what an honor I appreciate yeah. it Thank you. Thank you so much. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.